Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Father in heaven, again, we come before you this morning. God, you are God who goes before us. You are the God of victory. God, I pray that you would also give us faith this morning. As you promised in your word, I pray that you would equip us with the faith to trust in you. God, it seems like a, a silly and foolish thing would you, to, to ask for. Of course, well, of course, why would we not have faith in you? But God, we are broken sinners. God, I pray that you would gift us with your faith today. God, I pray that you would speak through me this morning, I pray that, that through your word, Lord, that it would, as it enters our ears, that we, that we would understand what was being said, that we would know in our minds, but God, I pray that it would sink into our hearts this morning, that it would change our perspective. And God, I pray that you would equip our hands and feet as we leave this place to bring this message of victory and grace and forgiveness to everyone we know. So bless this time, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, our, our series uh, through November here has been a series called Thank God. Obviously this week being, being Thanksgiving, I don't know what your Thanksgiving plans are. If, you, if you're a, like a host family or if you're a I go to somewhere else kind of family, um, you know, my wife and I, we've been married almost 10 years now, and I think we've mostly successfully done the like, hey, we're going to flip-flop the holidays, Thanksgiving with your parents this year and my parents next year. We've, I don't know if you, like, for, for married folks, if you guys even ever tried that, we, it's been going all right. So this year is a, is, a, is a my parents Thanksgiving. We're traveling up to, to Minot, North Dakota this week to go and, and spend time with my family. Thanksgiving, you know, we're in that, in that middle part here between Halloween and Christmas, and it's the holiday, I think we all know this, right? It's, it's, the, it's the holiday where we, we get to stop and think, and be thankful for what God has given us throughout the year. Maybe you've played this game around your family table where everyone goes around and, and you say one thing that you're thankful for. I have a younger brother, he's, he's six years younger than me, we would play Thanksgiving. You know, my dad would say something very meaningful about being thankful for family, you know, um, uh, for a roof over our heads, for, for having enough to eat at the, at the table. And it would always come to, come to my brother, Chris. And Chris would think hard. And he'd look around the table. Yeah, he had no idea what he was going to say. And he'd look around the table and he'd say, God, I'm 
thankful for corn. Yeah, I'm thankful for corn. I guess we've got to be thankful for all of it, right? It's all a gift. I think what happens when we, when we start talking about this, uh, this idea of, of, of thanks, of thanksgiving, of gratitude, it comes down to perspective, doesn't it? The point of view. I'm guessing you've experienced this in your life where you've given a gift to someone and they did not elicit the amount of gratitude that you were Like they weren't enough. It all comes down to perspective. I really enjoy listening. Not working? Not well. Not well. Oh, it's cutting in and out. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> Um, what was I saying? Oh, perspective. Okay, I'm guessing uh, that you've, you've given a gift that did not elicit the, uh, the amount of gratitude that you were hoping for. Comes down to point of view. And so as I was thinking about that this week with heading into Thanksgiving and this idea of perspective, um, there was a, a man who's been a, um, a mentor in my life, a spiritual leader in my life for a very long time, someone that a lot of you know, uh, named Greg Anderson, who's director of Inspiration Point Bible Camps. And, and I remember Greg saying to me once that if you ever need, if you ever need a fresh point of view, if you ever need a fresh vision of what God has done for you, then head to Second Chronicles 2020. If you need some 2020 vision on what God has done for us. We're going to head to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 this morning. And I invite you to do that too. This is, this is one of my favorite kind of sermons where this is really kind of story time with Nick today. Um, I love these. I love working through. Like I said, you guys know, I've been in youth ministry for a long time. Nothing grabs like the attention of middle school boys better than like a story from the Old Testament, like a, especially a battle story. That's what we're going to read about today is a battle story. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you have your phones, I invite you to follow along. It is going to be up on the screens too. But we're going to dig into 2 Chronicles 20 today to go and find a new point of view on our gratitude and our thankfulness toward God. You know, we tend to, uh, to treat God a lot of ways that we treat a lot of other relationships in, in our lives. Have you ever heard the phrase before, what have you done for me lately? There, that really kind of... Um, that signals a little bit about our sin nature, doesn't it? What have you done for me lately? You know, I think we think about this in a lot of ways. It, it, it's something that, that, that shows that, you know, maybe, there, maybe there's been some goodwill in the past, but lately I just, I just haven't seen it. I, my hope for us this morning as we dig into 2 Chronicles 20, that you would see the goodness of God this morning. So let's put it up on the screen. Second Chronicles 20, starting at verse 1. And it says this. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety. Oh, I'm sorry. I am in chapter 19. My bad. After this, <laughs> after this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with some of them the Muonites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Now, Jehoshaphat had uh, been uh, a newly elected king of Judah, um, probably in his, in his mid-30s, and he gets word that three armies are coming to kill him. 
to wipe out Judah. So some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazan, Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. Three armies. Three armies have come together to come and destroy Judah. And you, picture yourself, put yourself in Jehoshaphat's shoes. You are the king of Judah. And you get word that three armies are coming to destroy you. Verse 3 says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Yeah. I, I, in, the, in, in the NIV, in the New International Version, it says, alarmed. That's probably a really mild way of putting this. Thousands of men are coming to knock down your door and kill you. I think this is an appropriate emotional response to that. Jehoshaphat was afraid. But he, he does another appropriate response here as well, one that we don't do often enough. You see, Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. I think when we find ourselves in a, in a problematic situation, we set our face to find strength in everything else. In our own power and in what we've stored up and we look to our friends, our family, Jehoshaphat set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Verse 5, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he says this, now again, we read here in verse 4 and 5 that he's called all of the men and women and children from all of the cities of Judah to come and pray before the Lord. Can you imagine that just for a moment? That thousands of men and women have come, scared people. It says that the king is scared that thousands of scared people have come to seek the wisdom of the Lord. And Jehoshaphat begins to pray. He says, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? You see, one thing you have to know about um, storytelling in the Old Testament, especially when, when, um, when the Hebrews were telling their story, knowing their history was, and, and still remains to be, an important part of their culture, right? So this idea of what have you done for me lately isn't necessarily even a part of, of what they would remember. But I remember what you did for our father Abraham. They would point back to it. And so he, what Jehoshaphat is referring to as what's going to be laid out in these couple of verses is a story that has happened already in the Old Testament, a story that has happened in the history of, of Israel. He's talking about these men, they have lived in it and have built for you uh, in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? Oh yeah, sorry, verse 8. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, 
the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. So now Jehoshaphat in verse 10, he's, uh, he's referencing a story that has happened in their history. If you remember... Uh, if you remember reading, or maybe you haven't heard this before, but as the uh, nation of Israel was uh, searching for the promised land, they had an opportunity to conquer these very armies. They had an opportunity where, where these three armies that uh, were in a position of weakness and Israel could come and sweep in at night and wipe them out. And God said, no, you, that, is not my, that is not my will for you. You are going to let these armies stay alive. And Jehoshaphat references that here in this prayer. He says, now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. And here comes the key sentence in this prayer. A sentence that we should commit to heart. A sentence that begins to change the perspective of what is happening here in this story. He says this, we do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Now, I don't know about you. My guess is that you've not had three armies of men coming to kill you and knock down your door and take your possessions, right? Fair. I think we've felt this way before. I know stories in this room where you have faced incredibly difficult situations. Scary situations, life-changing situations. So there are stories in this room that we would never wish on anybody else. And I think, much like Jehoshaphat, in this image of him standing in front of the entire nation of Judah and crying out to the Lord, we do not know what to do. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The next verse the next verse says this. Meanwhile, all Judah stood there before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Second Chronicles doesn't tell us how long that they stood there. But there's a silence over the entire nation of Judah facing these armies that are coming to wipe them out. And this declaration of God, I'm at the end of my rope. I do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This confession of our actual perspective, of where we stand in, in relationship to God and our relationship to the world. That calamity, again in the NIV it says, that maybe calamity come, that destruction come that despair may come. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And meanwhile, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. 
verse 14, it says this. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah. Don't worry, like I practiced this all week. Like, <laughs> a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Right? We've heard two different perspective-changing uh, sentences in this passage. The one of this, uh, this um, admitting our position, do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And the Lord saying, yeah, that's okay. Like, that's okay, because the, the battle is the Lord's. It is not yours. And then he gives them battle instructions. Verse 16. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jerul. And then verse 17, right? And again, you're hearing this. Maybe you're, you're one of these men and women standing there in the crowd and you're getting the battle instructions from the Lord. And he says this, you will not need to fight in this battle. Okay? Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. That's a promise for us today, too, that the Lord will be with you. What, what has God done for you lately? He has always been there with you. Even this, this skewed perspective that we have, even if you feel like you are in the midst of darkness right now, I tell you, God is with you. He is the one who goes out before you, even if you do not see it. Can you imagine what that, that night was like, right? Post-instructions for battle, post-this-moment-of-prayer, one-night-sleep, heading into battle the next morning, what were going through the minds of these Israelites? Of saying, well, we know that, we know that God's with us. Um, I, I don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow. But God goes out before us. The Lord will be with you. Okay, let's head into verse 18. <clears throat> then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now, I know some of you have been to incredible church services or Christian concerts or something like that. Probably nothing like this. The entire nation of Judah fall, fell on their face and worshiped the Lord. And the Levites, the Kohathites, and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Which I love that part. Verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. 
I don't know. I get like Braveheart kind of vibes here, right? William Wallace, like, anyway. But Jehoshaphat, he, he says to the, to the men here, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy, tire, in holy attire as they went out before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. I don't want to gloss over that verse, but here's the battle strategy, right? Is instead of leading with your best warriors, in this battle, they led with the worship band. Right? Read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Look, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went out before the army. Now, I don't know if you're like me. I've, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of, like, like World War II documentaries and some war doc- I mean, I, I don't know. I just haven't heard of this strategy of leading with the altos. But they knew that God was with them. Puts a whole new meaning to give thanks this week of Thanksgiving, to give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. One of the more famous verses that we read in scripture of give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. You didn't know that that was what was being said as soldiers were preparing to face in battle. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. This is where we get to the good part. You ready? Verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir... They all help to destroy one another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if in, in this, let me put it to you in different terms. As they're waiting for, for the, the men of Judah to show up, Ammon and Moab get a thought of like, you know, we don't really need these guys from Mount Seir. Actually, they're getting like a little annoying. We could just wipe them out before, get it over with. And so they do. And then when they were done, they thought, well, I don't really like you either. And they have a battle amongst themselves. Josh, go to the next verse. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, right? They're marching. They've got the, they've got the band out in front. They do not know what they are about to see. And they, they get to that, that high point, the watchtower. They get to the high point so they can look over what is about to be the battlefield And they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. I imagine one of the most surreal uh, uh, images that any of these men had ever seen. But they look out, and it is just obliteration. All of their enemies were destroyed. Let's keep going, Josh. Not only this, right, because this, this is like, this is so 
This is so God, okay? God, not only providing what you need, but so much more. What Jehoshaphat is people came to take their spoil. I don't know if any of you have a King James Bible with you today, um, but uh, instead of the word spoil, the King James says, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their booty, they found out among them, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. There were three days in collecting all of the spoil that the Lord had provided for them. There were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. The next verse says, On the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka, for there they blessed the Lord. That word Baraka there, that means the valley of blessing. Other translations say that they named it that as the valley of praise. You know, there's this wonderful Hebrew tradition. You maybe have sung this in a hymn before. Have you ever heard the line, um, raise up thine Ebenezer? I worked for a church that was called Ebenezer, so I got to learn a little bit about this word. I, I didn't know about it until I had worked there. Whenever I thought about Ebenezer, I thought about Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, I, I had no idea what this word meant, but with this raising up an Ebenezer, what it was is it was raising up a monument. It was marking a place because the Hebrews, they knew how forgetful they were of what God had done for them. What have you done for me lately? That what they would do is they would leave these monuments around so that every time they would pass a place, it would trigger for them a memory, a remembrance of how God had provided for them. When it comes to God's grace for us, we have the memories of goldfish. We just, we don't, it, it doesn't come to our minds like it should. And we see stories of like this in scripture and I hope that this story is, a, is an Ebenezer for you, that this is a marker of what God has done in your life. You know, we do this in, in, in our culture today too, right? Raise up an Ebenezer, a reminder of what Christ has done for us. In this room, it's that cross. That every time we look at it, that we remember the sacrifice that Jesus did for us, that he, that he took for us on our behalf to forgive us. That us, like the, the, the armies of Judah, that do not know what to do when, when we are tasked with saving ourselves, we, we do not know what to do. We do not have the capacity to do it. But the battle is not ours. Even the battle to save your life is not yours. It is the Lord's. And every time we look at that, we are reminded of how much God loves you. And God loves me. We were reminded that this life is not ours, but it is the Lord's. And as we come into this place, this valley of praise here, that we get to worship that and be thankful for that. Joshua, let's keep going. Then they returned to every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. Let's keep going. They came to Jerusalem 
with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they had heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies. When they heard, yeah, when the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. I don't have three points to make to you today. I have one. This is my invitation to you. Is that this week of Thanksgiving, may we thank God that he is the God that goes before us. In whatever situation that you have faced, may you remember that God went before you. Whatever situation that you're in right now, I pray that you would hear these words of peace and rest in your heart today. That God goes before you. The battle is his. It is not yours. And may this be a perspective change. That as we, as we look inward and become afraid, and become nervous and scared of what is going to happen, how is this going to work out? That God is the one who goes before us and he goes before you now, leading you in a path of grace and forgiveness and righteousness. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you are the God that goes before us, that whatever challenge may come, that we know that you are the one who leads us. God, I pray that you, that you would imprint on us right now that message, that this would not be so easily forgotten of how much you love us, how much you care for us that you are the God of victory, that you are the God who provides for us all that we need and all that we could hope for, that through your death and resurrection, God, that you, you have conquered our enemy called death and you have given us new life. Lord, we praise you this morning, today, and every day after. God, thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.